Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host, Laurie Itahosa. This is a continuation from the last episode. Season that the baby's in, that's the tide that the baby is in. The baby is in a sleep tide. I remember when I first had newborns, I've had three boys. And when I first had, I've had four boys, three that are living. I remember my first, when my, my younger, when my oldest, First, I thought he was sleeping way too much because he was sleeping like 20 hours a day. He would wake up, he would feed, he would sleep, 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 feed, sleep, sleep, sleep. And I thought something was wrong. I'm like, he's sleeping too much. And then I read online and I read in my books on parenting that that was just what the baby needs at that particular stage. So it's important that you know um, how much sleep you need. So that's your homework assignment. I want to encourage you in your routine to still have a work day or a weekday and then have a weekend, okay? So you should know when your work day ends. If you're working from home, this is really hard to do, but it's very it's gonna be very important for you to get back on track. If your work day, just because you're working from home does not mean that you need to be working 24 hours a day from home, okay? The benefit of going to the office is that you can leave the office, come home, and have a family life. But now it's all jumbled up into one. So you need to set your own routine and you need to say my work day is going to be from 9 to 6. Once it's 6 o'clock, turn off your laptop, turn off your phone, turn off your data, turn off whatever you have to turn off and allow yourself to decompress. Allow yourself to breathe. Allow yourself to take in new thoughts. You can't always be working, working, working. If you're always working, there's no time to take in something new. That's the reason why a workday has a beginning and has an end. So you need to have an end to your workday, then you need to have what is called free time. Very, very important. And then in your weekends, you need to do things together with your family. You need to do things together. You may not be able to do them the way you used to, but you need to, let's say you're, you're a, a Christian and you go to the worship service on a Sunday morning. Make it your routine that every Sunday morning you still attend worship service online. Or maybe you go to the mosque on a Friday. Make that your routine that you still have your times of prayer. So you don't break these routines. These routines are what's gonna help you stabilize after the end of this uh, COVID-19 period is over. So also you have to talk about so many other things that I have here and unfortunately I'm not gonna have the time uh, to go as deep into it as I would like to, but I'd like to touch very briefly on our emotional well-being. I talked about how um, you have to, so one of the things that helps our emotional well-being is having a routine, but one of the things that disrupts our emotional well-being is grief, okay? If you lose somebody, if you've lost a job, if, you, if you've had some type of major traumatic incident in your life, you experience grief. Now, interestingly enough, if you listen to any psychologist talking about this particular COVID-19 crisis, they have said blatantly, point blank, every single psychologist is saying the same thing. They are saying that the entire world is in a stage of grief. 
The entire world is grieving. So that, that sparked something on the inside of my mind. It said that, whoa, our emotional well-being is going to be really important to stabilize as we're getting into this post-COVID-19. Now, um, for some of you that know me, you may know that there was a time that I lost a child. And I lost, I lost my firstborn child. And I remember that when I lost my son, I went through a very deep grief. I went through a, a, a season where I couldn't even function. I couldn't do anything but think about my child that had died. My brain could not just snap out of it. No matter how badly I wanted to, to re-engage with the world, no matter, no matter how badly I wanted to show up for my family, all I could do was experience the depth and the pain that I was going through in grief. And a lot of us are in that place right now. In fact, I spoke to a, a runner. You know, we're all um, following this story in America where the runner uh, was, was shot down. We're all following that, that story, I'm sure. The 25-year-old young man whose birthday was supposed to have been yesterday that was shot down by, was hunted and shot, by, shot down. And he's a, a black man that was, uh, that was unfortunately assassinated by two white men, or allegedly assassinated because they haven't officially um, passed judgment, but we've all watched the video, I'm sure. And a friend of mine who's, a, who's an avid runner spoke to me today and I said, I said, how are you doing? He's like, I'm not well. He's like, I, I'm grieving. He's like, I've not been able to stop crying. He says, I never met Ahmad. I didn't know him, but I'm grieving for him. And many of us are grieving for stories that we've heard online, for, for things that we've read, for stories that we watched on CNN, for things that we're following, for cases and for, for things that we've picked up and we've taken as our own. And so I wanna just quickly talk to us about the importance of going through grief health, health in a healthy way. So it's okay to grieve. All of us are grieving. Many of you have lost your job in the recent weeks. You're grieving the loss of that income. You're, you're fearful over what the future holds. So I want you to, another, another assignment would be to go back and to study a little bit about grief. So you can maybe get an eyesight, get an insight into what you're experiencing and why maybe you're reacting the way that you're reacting. And we know that the stages of grief, the ones that we're all familiar with, there's denial and isolation, there's anger, there's bargaining, there's depression, and there's acceptance. Those are the five stages of grief. And then a lot of people chip in the fifth stage where they talk about a, a, the fifth stage of grief being something where you try to create a meaning out of the experience that you've had. I'll read through those again. The five stages of grief, grief are denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Okay, you can study this on your own afterwards, but you can write that down if you want to. And then the last one is finding meaning. Um, out, of, out of whatever grief you've experienced. So it's important for us, sorry, my son just came in. Judah, say hello. Hello. All right, Judah, I need you to go ahead and let mommy finish up. Sorry, excuse me. Okay, I'll send it to Fred when I'm done, okay? All right, thank you. All right, sorry, I sent my son a video and he can't play it. So. Okay, so the five, the five stages of grief, should I read those through one more time? Number one is denial and isolation. Number two is anger. 
Number three is bargaining. And let me say, I think that the world is at the third stage right now. We're bargaining with this virus. Can we come out? Can we stay? Is it safe? Is it not safe? That bargaining phase. Then depression. And then finally, when you accept it, you accept what's happened. And then to add the six, which is um, not part of the initial five, but many, many people have added a sixth stage of grief, which is where you try to have meaning. You try to make sense out of whatever has happened. And you try to, you have something that you do that's meaningful that you're, you're taking out of that experience. Thank you so much for the people who, um, who put this on the screen for everyone. So when it comes to grief, you don't necessarily go through them in that order, okay? Sometimes they reverse order. The order of the grief that you go through can, 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 I, can vacillate. So you don't have to say, oh, if I'm right now in the bargaining stage, I can't go back to the anger stage. No, sometimes you come out of one and you still go back to it, okay? So it's, all, it's, it's, it's a dynamic grief is a very interesting thing. Um, it doesn't necessarily occur in that particular order. And some people don't necessarily experience all of the stages, but most people do, okay? But let me just encourage you that as long as there's life, there's hope, and as long as there's hope, there's life, okay? So we're gonna get through this. Our emotions are gonna get back under control. We're gonna have a routine again. We're gonna have our lifestyle intact. We're gonna get our emotions back intact. We're gonna be able to control the things that we think about so that we can get the results that we're looking for. And I believe that those um, three, three points, I have more points to go into that I'm not really gonna have time to do um, this evening, but I believe that those, those three alone are enough. The lifestyle, the habits, uh, the emotions, and of course the first one was uh, mental preparedness and action. Uh, between those three tides, I believe that uh, we can weather this storm, if that, if that makes sense, since I'm using tides and storms and water as an illustration. I believe that we can get through this and we can get our lives and our families uh, back on track and start uh, being more productive, like I know all of us really have been waiting to be. We all want to be productive again, so we can do this when we put these areas in order. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, and there's somebody that has 
relationship as well my husband and I with our children there's been times that I've been in the US with the children for three months at a time uh, and then he's been here by himself uh, or wherever we've had this separation as well um, that we've had to uh, where the bulk of the work is on one spouse and not the other um, so what I would encourage you to do is to uh, find parts of the routine where you can interject yourself 
So for example, if it's in the morning, let it be that every morning your wife brings you into the children's room with a video, um, you know, you do WhatsApp call or something like that so the kids can see daddy in the morning and daddy reads something to them in the morning or encourages them in the morning and they feel like, oh, my daddy's still with me even though um, he's not physically here. At least I know every day I'll talk to my dad in the morning or before they go to bed at night. Um, one of the things that my husband used to do with me uh, when I had the kids, uh, when we were separated, and I, separated by distance, um, my husband used to still do bedtime prayers with the kids every single night. Um, just make sure that if it's nine o'clock bedtime, every night at nine o'clock he calls. If they're not if they're not ready for bed, he yells at them, and he's like, "Mommy said bedtime nine o'clock," and that takes the pressure off of me. Uh, because I'm not always the one who's the disciplinarian. He can actually discipline through um, video calls and things like that. So um, reading stories together, praying together, singing together, um, letting your kids have direct access to you is something else that we found was really helpful. Um, we allowed our son to have his own WhatsApp number that he only has like three people in his contacts. He doesn't, we don't let him, you know, talk to anybody, but he has three people in his contacts and he can call my husband at any time. Uh, my grand, my, his grandparents want to be very involved in his life. And so he can call my parents that live abroad. He can call them anytime, day or night, and they always pick up for him. And um, sometimes I'll come into the bedroom, I'm like, who are you talking to? He's like, oh, I've been on the phone with Pop Up for the last one hour. And it's just, of course, it's somebody I can trust. I can trust his grandfather. So allowing that, allowing the kids to have face-to-face -face through, um, through digital media is really important. Send them voice notes. Um, just try your best to be a part. And if you can assist your spouse as well by saying, you know, I did this research um, and I think this might help you. Tonight I attended a seminar and it said that our five-year-old needs 10 hours of sleep a night. So I was thinking that why don't we adjust this thing so that you can have some, some me time too. So if you can put the kids to bed and they can have 10 hours of sleep, then that gives you at least two hours that you don't have any kids. If you get them asleep and for sleep for 10 hours, that gives you two hours to yourself and I know you need that kind of me time. Um, things like that that can just kind of, um, just show an interest in what interests them and, um, and show up for them in through digital media. Well, your kids are still locked down, so. <laughs> okay, that's true. Now, uh, well, let us enable the online order, right? Online order. Atoloy. 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 Nice to see you. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. As regarding uh, what uh, we listened to early in the morning, I noticed uh, most people in this part of the world, Nigeria, uh, usually turn on their radio very early in the morning, <laughs> and what they are, you know, listening to is just the news. And you know, like uh, the situation we are presently now, it's all about the COVID-19. Uh, people want to know how many cases have been confirmed and what, what have you. And to me, I just feel it's 
See, all those things actually affect our emotions. Yes. You know, uh, the way we relate with people. You know, and like you said, I love listening to music, good music. And it reminded me of when I was at the uni. Mm. There's this friend of mine that said he loves to listen to jazz. That it actually calms, you know, his his his, his emotion. And the question I want to ask now, because it seems we used to be too spiritual here. People say, why listen to secular music or uh, that the best thing you can listen to is uh, gospel? And I said, sometimes you listen to some gospel, you don't get any inspiration, you don't get anything motivating you. Yeah. That you just be surprised that secular music seems to be even better than, you know, the, the, the <laughs> doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, suggestions or feedback, head over right now to Twitter and Facebook and like, share and get involved. Join us next time.